0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18
1: plus. Welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the Black Science Fiction Society.com website, which is a lot to say every time, but it's not that big a deal. Anyway, um, Tonight is the November, let me look at my calendar because I don't even know, the November 22, um, 2019 show, and uh, my name is William Hayashi, I'll be your host for tonight, and our special guest is Cecilia Davidson, Uh, actually, she has a number, a number of accolades um, that, that she hangs her hat on, or actually have, have been hung on her, um, and uh, let's see, we're starting a little bit late, so we'll just jump right in. Uh, uh, do you want me to call you Cecilia, or because, you know, Jarvis sent me a, you know, he did the graphic where it says Cece, I'm sorry?
2: Yeah, so uh, my pen name is Cece.
1: Oh, Cece, would you prefer that? Yeah, that's All right. Cool. All right, Ceci, well, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for giving up your Friday night or part of it.
2: Yeah, Um, thanks for inviting me.
1: So among all of the things that you do, you know, uh, Jarvis put in the big letters, playwright, but, you know, you're a language pathologist. Uh, What what are you a founder and curator of, by the way?
2: So... um I, I founded and curated a, a series of free public um, programs at the New York Public Library, one of the New York Public Libraries in Harlem It's called Short Phase to Nourish the Mind and Soul, and it's, um, I guess, maybe about um, eight, eight to ten um, events through the year of,
1: playmaking
2: for um, the community.
1: Wow. And and I assume, I assume you're probably a New York resident or you live out that way?
2: Yes, I am. And where are you calling from?
1: I'm in Chicago. And yesterday it was gorgeous. It was like in the mid-50s. Today the temperature dropped back down into the 30s. It's supposed to be in the 20s tonight. What's it like out by you?
2: So it's... Um, it's cold, but I'm sure, um, you, you know, it goes back and forth from being very cold, having to wear, like, um, uh, snow boots, and then being warm, <laughs> so the best thing for us here is to dress in layers.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because, of course, it can be a lot worse. Um I, uh, yet? go ahead. No, go ahead.
2: You haven't even seen any snow yet.
1: We had some and it all melted. So we're, I was happy about that. One day I woke up and there was like, I don't know, it looked like three to four inches, but it's, you know, it, it's all gone now. It's just gotten cold. So, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, any alarmist or something like that, but weather has been very, very peculiar. Um, I would say, you know, whether it's climate related or not, I'm going to have to go with the scientists and say, yes, our climate has been changing quite a bit. This year was, um, a little bit more like normal when I was growing up, like for Halloween, I would say about half the time on October 31st, you know, we'd have to be wearing winter clothes or even have snow. So this Halloween was about, like, what I grew up with. But then for all of those other years, we've had much, much later fall that goes into November, sometimes even December. But, you know, we could talk about the
2: community in a good way.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, so tell me a little bit about... You know, let let's start out kind of like when you were growing up. First of all, are you a, a New Yorker or a transplant? Um, did you grow up in the in the area?
2: Uh, so I'm a native New Yorker,
1: um, a suburban,
2: and mm-hmm. um, all I've been here all of my life. But I'm a recent play, relatively recent playwright. My um, primary career through most of my um, adulthood has been as a speech and language pathologist uh, for mm-hmm. children. So I have a doctorate degree in speech language hearing sciences. And um, from there, I um, unexpectedly became a playwright. And I've been writing <laughs> plays since 2009.
1: Okay, you've got to explain that. How does, how does one unexpectedly become a playwright?
2: Well, it's, you know, my my whole career was focused on the sciences. That's where my professional training came from, and um, sure. undergraduate and graduate degrees. And so it just, um, I didn't plan to become a playwright. It just kind of found me, and I started writing stories and couldn't stop. I well, think yeah, you know. um, now looking back on it, um Much of my career was spent on communication and learning about communication. And so from there, um, I just reimagined my experiences as a therapist and witnessing suffering and triumphs of families and reimagined that into stories that I thought could capture the human
1: spirit. And Okay, so the stories were like story stories. They weren't related to, you know, your your career. They weren't like, you didn't write them for, you know, kids or anything specific like that. No. Not in a clinical way. No. It was just, it was Not actual it just creative writing. Yeah. That's pretty Very cool. So, yeah. So now, yeah. what, so what you know, are... Uh,
2: did um, Jarvis tell you about my book articulation?
1: No, no. Um, but we're going to cover every single yeah. thing that you've done in your entire life. I I may even get nosy. Who knows? <laughs> but but you know I, I'm curious. You know what are what are kind of like the subjects? What's the subject matter of? Of your, of your writing? You know, is it a certain genre? Do you stick with kind of a, a theme? Or, or is it more, more random than that? You know, whatever suits your mood at the time.
2: So I have a broad range. I don't put any boundaries on what I write. I don't seek things to write. I just allow myself to be found by subject matter that needs to be voiced. And, and like, so that means I might get my inspiration from anything. It could be a light bulb. It could be somebody walking <laughs> down the street. It could be um, a sentence that says, someone says to me one day. It can come from anywhere, which is kind mm-hmm. of cool because I'm always surprised by what I'm writing.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's. I think that's good because it sounds like you have a free-range imagination, so to speak.
2: Yes, I would say I have a wild mind and I try not to edit myself because then it becomes um, very cerebral and I feel the best creative writing comes from the soul, not from the head.
1: And do you find yourself writing... Let's say for for a certain like age group, a certain type of uh, consumer, you know. And I, I use the word consumer, not like purchaser, but someone who actually consumes, you know, content. Um, do you do you have? Uh, I mean, is it focused for a certain audience, or or is it is that also just free range as well?
2: So, I would say that my writing is culturally responsive, and it's it's meant to stimulate intelligent conversation, reflection, and also tap into universal themes of what makes us human. So, you have to um, – I've, um, at the George Bruce Library um, in Harlem, where uh, my plays have been presented, we've had um, broad ranges of um, diversity that um, attend these plays. So at any one um, event, you might see someone who could clearly um, purchase um, a ticket on Broadway for several hundred dollars sitting next to someone who's living in a project. Um,
3: Mm -hmm. And enjoy
2: the same content. So that's part of, the joy that um, I get from my work that I'm able to touch a, um, a wide range of audience.
1: Wow. Um, I i think, you know, I also came to my creative career later, um, and and mine was, I, I think, maybe more deliberate. I don't know. I just sat down and decided I'm going to write a book. Uh, but you know for you, it sounds more like a, a kind of like a happenstance you know kind of a happy circumstance um, once you discovered that you had kind of this gift to be able to do this um, you know is it an adjunct to what you do professionally or you know like for me, I still have to do a little bit of Uh, consulting to pay my bills I you know my writing doesn't is not self-sustaining yet Um, you know when when you look at how you have to balance what you do to live and and maybe the creative side of what you're doing are you are you close to that point yet or or do you even want to have to give up one over the other
2: um I I think one you know they they inform each other. I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. one person walking through life, and so my experiences um, through life inform both um, of the types of work that I do.
1: Okay.
2: It has different purposes.
1: Yeah, and and is any of your writing has it been targeted for like your your professional audience for kids? Uh,
2: well, in um. Um. Okay, so I'll give you an example. December fourteenth, I'm going to premiere a play called Me, which is the story of young Malcolm X, and it's mm-hmm. a family-friendly play that takes um, Malcolm X played by an adult, but as a child, and we see him transform into an adult um, on stage. Uh, it. It targets Malcolm when he was at um, was in a transition point as a young adult, where he could have taken different paths, and so um, um, the play carves out how his life took a certain route when he decided to take the challenging position. So. Um, I wouldn't say that I sat down and said, I'm going to write a children's play. I write a story the way that it needs to be written, and I see how it evolves and go from there. Okay. I have done Uh, commission work, but... I'm um, sorry? I I have done work um, on commission. Okay. Okay. Um, and so that work is more directed because someone will ask me to write on a particular theme or a particular person. So, for example, I wrote um, a play about Sojourner Truth, which, which toured um, across the New York metropolitan area. So that was very specific and that was on request. But my favorite work is when I can just allow myself to be free and write however I'm inspired.
1: Mhm, mhm. And I, have got the link to um, uh, Jarvis put the link to Amazon in the uh, chat for uh, and and it's uh, your book articul or yeah articulation short plays to nourish the mind and soul. Um, yeah. But just out of curiosity, how many plays do you have in there?
2: So in this particular volume, there are ten plays, but I mm-hmm. have several hundred that I'm waiting to put into
1: anthologies. Wow. (laughs) You you must spend an enormous amount of time writing. Well, yeah, no, but I'm still, still, that's a lot. A a hundred?
2: Uh, A little over that. But I write every day. I'm driven to write, and it's my work.
1: Yeah. Well, okay, so... If, if you look at the, and 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 you're also still doing your professional work as as a, a, a speech pathologist, a language pathologist.
2: Yes, a speech and language pathologist for children. So I diagnose um, children that have communication and learning um, disabilities, and I work with. Um, families and counseling them how to help their children.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just it, I I'm awed because it sounds like it, you know it sounds like you're busy all day either doing one or the other and um, that is
2: true. <laughs>
1: I like how you laugh at that. But but it, obviously it's something that's feeding your soul otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. Am I correct?
2: That's right. It's feeding my soul and that's why I like to feed others. I like to feel like I'm nurturing other people with my words and my stories.
1: That is that's pretty great. So how long ago did you start your you know your creative writing career? 2000. You know, and I asked Two thousand nine. Okay, so in ten years, you have over t- <laughs> over a hundred. That um, I, I think that's a very prodigious output, um, and and I'm I you know I I admire that. Um, and you know, I
2: actually consider myself a lazy person. How so? Because I would love to just leave on my pajamas and watch Netflix.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, at least you're honest about it. Um, yeah, and and I kind of understand that. I, I'm I'm very very much like that. When I started writing, I I started writing in 2001, and back then I had cable TV, and I had a bunch of movie channels. But I was I was so stupid that. I would come home, and I—the first thing I would do is turn on the TV, turn on you know one of the movie channels, because it kind of in the back of my mind, I felt like, well, if I'm not watching them, I'm wasting money or I'm losing money or something. And then eventually, I figured out, you know, how many times are you going to watch, you know, like Rambo, First Blood, in a month, in 30 days, and you know, just because you think you have to be watching something. so, so I get it. I get it because I would like to do nothing but. The same thing as you <laughs> but but I just don't have that opportunity um, what other kinds of, well let me ask you this early on in life you know let's say maybe i don 't even know pre teens teens what have you um, what what kinds of things did you read um, you know what 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 kind of what kind of entertainment did you did you like you know like a lot of creative people talk about? Well, I, I read comic books, or I I watched cartoons, or I liked sci-fi movies, or something like that. Did you have you know any any kind of particular type of of I guess entertainment that that kind of absorbed you growing up that may have turned you in the directions creatively that you're you're, you're going through now? Uh, I
2: don't. The only thing I could say is that my, my parents were, um, they were very encouraging of scholarship and creativity, and so mm-hmm. I never felt that there was any limitation um, on what I could do, and so I, education was important in my family. We read a lot. My father was a musician. So everyone got the music gene except me, but I grew to have an appreciation for music and um, got more specific skills with that as I became an adult. So it, it, my life, I would say, has always been a balance between um, right brain, left brain, or creativity and science.
1: But uh, did you? Did you have, you know, when you talk about the creativity part, did you have anything in particular that you were fond of? Like for me, um, I started reading my dad's science fiction library, and that's that started my love for science fiction. Um, did did something, you know, did you have something in particular that you you that you doted on, or that you that you enjoyed more than you know more than other kinds of uh, entertainment? Or subject matter?
2: Um I don't remember any particular kind of genre, just that I love to read. Okay. And I always I I believe I always like I do now, I always carry a writing tool with me all the time. I wouldn't mm-hmm. leave my house without writing tool and paper and if I don't have paper I'll write on whatever I happen to find a napkin um, a piece of cardboard a paper cup so it's just it's a habit that I think probably evolved from childhood
1: all right so let's let's go back to that first you know the first thing that you wrote what 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 inspired you to actually sit down and, and write what it was you wrote? And can you give us a little information about, you know, what the story was like, so that we can kind of get an, an insight into, you know, what it was that maybe that 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 made you cross that threshold?
2: Well, uh, in the beginning, when when I developed the insight that I should be a writer, I. Uh, approached it as well let me learn the mechanics so I took a Mm -hmm. workshop and I learned the mechanics of writing a traditional play a linear play with the beginning middle and end so that I could learn the rules I wanted to learn the rules so that I could break them so I wrote my first play and after I wrote my first play I gave myself permission to write and do whatever I wanted.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. That, I mean, that's a, that's a kind of a, I mean, it's a regimented, in a good way, way of going about it. Um, You know, it's like you want to learn the rules of the road before you get behind the wheel. Um, But, but when you gave yourself permission to, to be as creative as you wanted to be, what did you start out with? What was your inspiration for your early writing? Even even your you know the first thing you wrote.
2: Well, I live in Harlem. I was living in Harlem at the time, and mm-hmm. so I would say just um, observations of of people in the community uh, of the environment. Um, my first play was called Bus Talk and it was about um, uh, a bus driver who um, decides to torch his bus.
3: He
2: doesn't do it it in the end. His um, dead wife is on the bus and convinces him that that would not be a good decision. So I'm... I'm going to not tell you the whole story so that you'll read it, but I also enjoy writing about objects. That's one of my favorite things to do: writing about objects, animals, um, um, food. Uh, I I personify them, so I give them human characteristics and human experiences. So. Um, one of the plays in um, the articulation book is called chosen fruit and it's a banana talking to the
1: banana peel all right and and so that you know obviously that sounds kind of like you know if you were going to classify it as genre kind of like fantasy are are your are your writings are are they and I know I know you said that they're all over the map but I mean are they really that wide ranging that we can't pin down something you know where that that kind of suggests you know a a major interest that you follow or is it is it truly really just every anything that that in, that you see here or touch taste whatever that inspires you to put pen to paper?
2: Well, you know, I don't go seeking um, things to write. I just allow my experience to drive the writing. And um, so that that lets me um, have freedom to try different things. So, um, for example, um, let's see um there's a play about domestic violence called baby doll and the play takes place the day that the um the woman decides to leave her abused husband her abusive husband um Mm -hmm. so that's one type of story i've also written a play called veronica bunny read her text messages and that's about a mother bunny who is trying to um, trying to find the right kind of acceptance and support for her gender fluid bunny baby bunny.
1: Mm hmm.
2: So those are quite different.
1: So it okay. So it sounds like. If if someone picks up your book, and for those of you who are paying attention, Jarvis put the link to the uh, book on Amazon. So if somebody reads through, you know your 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 co- your collection of short plays, they're going to find a lot of different subjects and a lot of different settings covered in there. Correct?
2: Yes, and but in an in an entertaining way so each play is independent and you can mm-hmm. pick up the book and just you know um, um, follow your your whim and fancy and read each play individually and in, in any order that you'd like.
1: Very cool. Now what about
2: so Press is known for feminist science fiction So this particular, collection is focused on that, feminist science fiction, but feminist in a way that um, is embraceable by men and women.
1: Well, enlightened men, let's put it that way, because there's some men out there. Well, never mind. I don't want to get involved. But, okay, so, and, and how about this? Have you ever had any of your plays performed? Yes. Um. um
2: so, stage readings occur every month, and then I've had um, the good fortune to have some um, some productions um, um, off Broadway at um, American Academy of Dramatic Arts, smaller smaller venues. Most of mm-hmm. think um, my plays are the most effective in small intimate environments.
1: Can you walk us
3: through?
1: Yeah. Can you walk us through the process? You know, from you know how how do you get a play performed? You know, I know table reads. You can show up. You know, that um, people solicit things like that. But to actually have it performed, whether on Broadway, off Broadway, whatever, you know, getting getting your work to that point. Um, can you describe the process? I mean, the first one. Let's let's talk about the first one. What 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 was the series of events that led to it finally being performed?
2: Well, that that my first play was part of a workshop, so it was mm-hmm. part. The process was taking um, the particular workshop and then um, producing the play, um, or having the play read was like the graduation or the recital. And then I moved on from there and um, tried to find ways to um, collaborate with others and also um, try some independent ways um, um, to produce the work in free public spaces so I wouldn't have to be concerned about tickets Ticket prices. People could just come with their
1: authentic self and enjoy the play. Oh, that you know, I didn't even think about the ticket thing. Yeah, um, and and so how? Uh, just out of curiosity, how was it received? Did you get some feedback on the play?
2: Well, every every month I collect audience uh, notes on uh, the audience. Okay. Writes, um, handwritten notes, to me. And um, I save them, so I have um, notes from at least five years of um, of audience participation.
1: And generally speaking, are you know? I'm, I I assume you must be doing it well because you are still doing it and you're so prolific. Um, what kind of feedback have you gotten on on your work? Is there you know what was okay? Let me ask you this what was the the most i would say not endearing but probably the 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 most and I can't think of the word that I want the most positive response that you got from an audience member do you remember it
2: um you know every every time um I produce the work there you know it's it's met with warmth. And love from the audience
3: um, oh that's I've never
2: great. anything different and so I couldn't really compare I um, mm-hmm. I, I could just say that um, I the audience becomes like family we create together enjoying the plays. we create um, a community And one of the things that I really treasure is the library manager um, said to me, Janelle Carter-Bowman said to me once that I really have my finger on the pulse of the community and what the community needs to talk about and feel. feel. And so, um, you know, working with someone who also felt that um, art can be transformative for a community, and it's important for the community, um, I've only had accolades.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and when, you, when you look back... When
2: was the last time you went to see a play and the playwright gave out presents?
1: Uh, about a month ago, I think. Yeah, about a month ago.
3: Really?
1: It was a very... Yeah, it was a very strange play. Um, it was someone had written a play about a space station out by Pluto and what happened at the space station when it lost touch with Earth, which I thought was, I, I had to go because I, it was the first time ever I, I thought, you know, I, I even heard of an idea like that being performed on stage.
2: So what was the so, I like gave you? I'm sorry? What was the present? Did you actually get a present?
1: Well the present was no, I didn't get a present present like that. I mean the the present oh. was I oh I, I see what you're saying. No, it wasn't like Oprah, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car or anything like that. Oh. Or even well, you, that's you, what I No, knew. You you actually give a present. I I, I try to give presents. a little. Wow.
2: We have a raffle. I give out presents.
1: Um.
2: I if if the set can be deconstructed, I give away parts of the set.
1: Uh huh. that's, um, that's got to be kind of that's got to be kind of cool. We
2: had a, we had a character who was um, a red velvet cake. Harlem is, okay. is famous for, and we gave red velvet cupcakes out to everyone in the audience at the end of the play. So we have well, a great community, and everybody, yeah. what's not to love? Come to New York and
1: enjoy it yeah i was I was just thinking that that I bet that you have a lot of recurring audience members. you know it almost sounds like you have kind of a, a very, very cool supportive community, creative community um, that yes. that shows up because they know that it's something you've written and they've seen your stuff before, they like it both. and And I don't think they're just coming for the cupcakes. I'm pr- pretty sure they're probably <laughs> also coming for the content too. But the cupcakes are you know that sort of thing that's a that's a good inducement um, so it, let's let's kind of project out out of a ways you know are are you really happy with kind of what you're doing and the manner in which you're doing it, being able to have these performances you know in in a very short amount of time you know one here one here one here one you know serial performances of all kinds of different content. It sounds like that, you know, not only do you have a great community, but it does sound pretty satisfying for you, too. Would that be fair to well, say? I'm
3: looking
2: I'm – looking, yes, I'm very happy and grateful, but I'm also looking forward to growing. I'm very pleased that I have a collection of my own plays now, and I'm looking forward to getting more opportunities to get the plays published because then it can – um, journey to the global stage and be available for mm-hmm. people who are not just in this particular community. So that's always been very important to me to get as much published as possible. And that also leaves room um, for the place to be produced. Um, so the, all of the work is copyrighted, but um, um, producers interested in moving forward with the work can contact me and get and license. Um, the place for production. So um, I think this is what comes when you work and you dedicate yourself to the work, which I'm sure you Mm -hmm. know as well. So, um, yes, I'm pleased and I'm looking forward to to more.
1: Wow. Um, Although, you know, that sitting on the couch in your PJs watching Netflix that's not a bad <laughs> way to go either uh, you sometimes know the more I, I think I about that
2: while I'm writing that, reading that, uh, sometimes I read and write and watch Netflix
1: I multitask yeah I had to I had to get rid of cable TV for the very reason I told you at the beginning you know I, I just spent too much time watching it because I felt like I had to so I wasn't Wasting money or whatever, and uh, so now I, the only thing I watch on my television are movies. Um, but I, I somehow, I you know, as much as you'd like to do it, I could see you taking a day off doing that. But I think you really—you sound like somebody who really enjoys the act of writing. Um, and now, what about you know people around you? You said you have kind of like a networking group. That you, you know, that are that are associated with your writing are these other playwrights?
2: Uh, no, that was in um, in the beginning of my career. Um, okay. At, at at my process at this point is I write the work and uh, it further evolves with the artists, the directors, and the actors that I work with, and I have a small circle of family and friends that um look at my work just before i'm able i'm ready to um, make it public and they give
1: me feedback okay and 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 what i mean i it sounds like they're generally supportive what do they think of the the subject matter that you write are they are they in, in in enthralled by it is it enchanting You know what kind of I I, I guess I'm looking for kind of a general reaction that you get from people who know that this is what you're doing, you know, and this is something that's really important to you. Plus, how prolific you are at it.
2: All of the above. All of the above. Really? Wonderful, surprising, uh, impressive, um, stimulating, tearful (laughs) All of the above. All
1: of the above. And doesn't that validation feel great?
2: Yes, it does.
1: And it's encouraging. Yes. Um, so, you know, when I think of growth in your industry, yeah, I, 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 I certainly understand, you know, doing the um, publishing as much as possible uh, for two reasons. You know, one, obviously, to give your art you know, to share your art with the world, to share with your, to share, you know, your, your creativity with the world. But also, I think one, you know, there's got to be a component there where as you become better and better known, the chances of you producing something, you know, you talked about, why well, I've done something at Off-Broadway, and then I, you know, you always hear, well, yeah, I was in a play, uh, really, uh, in New York, and I, well it was off 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 broadway you know they talk about a small venue like that but it it sounds to me like you're kind of headed in the other direction where you might be building your notoriety um is do you see that as a natural progression is is that something that's kind of happening organically with with your reputation and the scope of 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 the people who might know about your work
2: Yes, What's
3: William, your reason? I'll come it? to Chicago.
2: I'll come to Chicago. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I said I'll come to Chicago. Are you inviting me?
1: Well, uh, everybody who I have on the show, who I've I've had the, the the you know the honor of interviewing, I I've always said when you come to Chicago, let me know, and I'll take you to lunch. Um, I don't know if I can produce one of your plays. I certainly don't have that kind of—I uh, don't have a venue or anything like that, and I'm not even well known in that <laughs> in that uh, that sphere. But if you do come here, absolutely, let's have lunch, let's have dinner, whatever. I mean, have you been to Chicago?
2: Yes, yes. I
1: what
2: Chicago did
1: what did they that. compare to New York? because cause I know how I, Chicagoans I, feel I about New York. Don't you don't like, like the which pizza. the pizza oh see now you you just unendeared yourself to so many Chicagoans <laughs> because you know there's there's that there well no there's there's that competition between Chicago and New York about you know who's got the best pizza what's the what how do you eat it do you fold it and bite it do you you know uh, and then the the what is it the impardonable sin of cutting your pizza into squares and not, you know, as pie slices. Um, yeah, see, now you opened up a breakfast. can of worms. I'm sorry? I love
2: your breakfast. I love your breakfast. I went to a place called Lulu's and had fantastic pancakes.
1: Yes. Well, we we have – I guess brunch is something that we do well here, Um I, I haven't spent that much time there and it, it actually it's been a long time since I've been in New York. You know, I, I was working in the Soho area and I was staying up by, what was that? Oh, I was in the UN Plaza Hotel. and um, But I didn't get to see much of the city. I did see some of the locations like on the drive-in from the uh, airport that they had filmed parts of the Sopranos that they didn't do over in New Jersey. Um, for you, what's... Let me ask you, what, well, what is it that you really, you really like about the invitation.
2: city? I'm giving you okay. a personal invitation to come and see my shows in Harlem.
1: You know what? Probably, yeah. probably within the next year, I will have the time and the wherewithal to do that. So you know what? Well, yeah. Let's keep in touch because I would, I would actually love to do that. Um, I love meeting the people who I get to interview. Most of the time I only get to meet them at conventions. You know, I'll, I'll go to a convention and I'll be moderating some discussions and then someone will say, hey, I'm so-and-so. Remember you interviewed me? And, and for me, that's the coolest part because, I, you know, like you and I probably never would have spoken, you know, um, or, or even met. Without this opportunity here on on the uh, show, but yes, I will come out. The, you know what? I will promise you that I will come out there and see one of your plays. How's that sound?
2: That sounds wonderful. And when you when you start to read the book, I'd love to know um, how you enjoy it. When you read um, when you read articulation, I want to know which which play really resonates with you, or or which one caused you to. Laugh so much that your tummy hurts. So okay.
1: Let me know. All right. So now I have to do two things. Now I have to get the book and read it before I travel out to New York. I'm making a list here. Yeah. Hang on. I'm writing this down. Yeah, I'm writing all this down. All right. So um, have you thought of writing anything other than plays? Do you, do you, have you done short stories or anything else? Or are you just working mostly as a playwright or, or exclusively?
2: Well, I, I, I see the world and experience the world as conversation and words. Mm-hmm. So, right now, being a playwright is the fit. Mm-hmm. And that's what
3: I... Yeah, I... I,
1: myself. I, uh, I... I do, too, but I... My my writing is is structured differently. You know, my stories are based on. They're not. They're not. I I don't know if they're. Yeah, they're just different. You know, but the the thing that I've written is I, I've written a series. You know, uh, so far six books in a series, um, and and I have done short stories. My short stories are usually they're they're you know patterned kind of like uh like twilight zone episodes but i don't i i don't get inspired the way you do and i really admire that where you could just look at something and all of a sudden you know uh, you know um a uh, a creative work comes out of a situation like that and i i envy people who can do that because i i think i'm a little i don't know if i'm rigid i'm not sure exactly how to characterize what i do so, I have a healthy respect for your process um, about how long did it take you to feel like you refined it? You did mention the fact that you went and you know kind of learned the rules of the road of of um, writing you know play, uh you know being a, a playwright uh, Did it take you long to become comfortable putting together your own works well
2: i don 't think i, I... As a writer and a creative person i don't I think the discomfort is what fuels you to keep working. I never feel like okay i've I've got it, I've got this, it's done." I feel like I well, always
1: need to move forward i I have to agree. I think the best the best creatives I know generally consider themselves works in progress, no matter what. You know, they're trying to be better. They're trying to learn more. They're trying to, you know, have to extend their grasp, you know, and, and hone their talents. Um, I'll probably be a work in progress till I pass. Um, so, but the other part that uh, I think I asked you before, you know, do you see yourself, you know, hopefully getting to the point where, you know, maybe you, you're only one off of Broadway? Or or do you think that you might be able to produce something that, that could be, you know, uh, finally done you know on Broadway, what, um, you know?
2: I, I have to be honest. I don't think about that. I just keep working. Okay.
1: All right. Well, and then that way, you, you, I guess your your output speaks for itself which I will get to see because I I've already marked down in my little Amazon account here that this is one of the things that I you know your book is one of the things I want to buy. And Yay. and you know what? I'm not I'm not going to even elicit a promise of a quid pro quo for you checking <laughs> out my work. But I know. That's so slutty, you know and yeah i'm i'm not above that but but i'm i'm i'll skip it this time um the other part of of being a playwright you know a lot of your work can be you know without a lot with without a lot of cutting and pasting and 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 trimming and 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 adjusting and editing you know can you see your work being performed maybe as a a screenplay you know, have you thought of that at all?
2: Um, yes, I mean, you know, that would be wonderful. I think um, I would love for someone to talk to me about that.
1: <laughs> okay. All right if you If you look at how you do your work, can you give us a little idea of the process? Okay, so you get an idea. I mean, do you immediately, and I know you carry around writing, you know, pen and paper or pencil and paper wherever you go, but but can you give, give me an idea a little bit about how you, you know, let's say you were out today and you saw something that, that piqued your interest. Can you give me an idea of your workflow, how you get from the idea to, you know, sitting back and saying that was pretty good, you know, after you've, after you've done everything, you know, where you where you feel pretty satisfied with your work.
2: Hmm. Um, I don't exactly know how to answer that except to say in my process, I write all the time. Oh,
3: okay. Time.
2: So, you know, and I don't, I don't. Believe in writer's block. I don't really know mm-hmm. what that is. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I write. I might be writing several different things at the same time, or I might be writing one thing. It just—I really do follow my
1: emotions. You sound like a writer's you. writer.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> I just, you know, I just try to stay relaxed, not get in the way of the creativity, not edit myself. I don't write Mm -hmm. an outline of the story. I don't, you know, I just write. I leave myself Mm -hmm. free Mm -hmm. to read. And um, that's the process. That's simple. It's only after um, I get the story down that I decide, okay, now it's time to format it and completely structure it so that it's um, it's fully communicable.
3: Commun-
2: so. so that's what I do.
1: Wow. And and you know it's kind of cool that we, you have that dichotomy going where you know you you talked about kind of like science being you know being a speech language pathologist and then the, the creative side being a playwright. What what was it that led you to the becoming a speech and language pathologist. Um, I, I know you, you talked about your parents being very supportive of, of, you know, certain things in your life, but but what was it about speech, speech pathology that kind of tripped your trigger?
2: Well, I wasn't really sure of what I wanted to do, and so my father had me observe. Different professionals, and um, I observed a speech-language pathologist working with a child, and it just kind of stuck. And I found that I was I was good at it, and so Mm -hmm. I just went with it.
1: Yeah, and and can you um, you know obviously you're helping kids speak better or maybe even process information better, what have you? Can you tell us? some of the the more common difficulties that you help kids overcome because i'm curious i you know i i know generally what that means but i'm not i, I i'm not that conversant
2: well there there are all different kinds of uh, communication and learning difficulties from not being able to talk to not being able to talk well so I would say, you know, generally, um, the children that um, um, are referred to me are more on the severe side, moderate to okay. severe side of, um, of struggling to communicate or
1: or learn.
3: hmm
1: Do you think being both the, on the, the pathologist side and then also having the creative side that, you know, you mentioned left brain, right brain. But do you think that that balance is really what, what is kind of satisfying to you, you know, to go from one to the other and back and forth and, and, and to have, you know, one foot on either side of that, you know, that imaginary divide? Is, is that, uh, it sounds kind of like it's pretty satisfying to you.
2: It is, and I, I think even with um, with um, my work as a therapist, even though it's analytical, there's a creative side to it. Because when you're helping children learn how to communicate and, and learn and read and write, you have to do that through a creative mode to get them interested and persevering and, um, and putting in their best effort. Because it it can be a long process and can be frustrating, so there's a creative side to helping children.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I, I'm i I'm I'm going to wait until I read your book because that'll at least expose me to ten things that you've written. But I'm still intrigued about the fact that you have you know you've got well over a hundred that are already done. When you write them out, do you write them out in play format?
2: I write by hand in play format. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm telling you. I
2: only you. use a yeah. computer when I'm ready to put the structure in for other
1: people, make a script. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and so it, it's just, it, it's kind of mind-boggling how prolific you are. Um, how often do you think well let's see you've been you've been you've been writing plays for about how long now how many years
2: Almost 10 I guess
1: yeah That's 10 a year yeah Yeah it it is quite a few and then what kinds of you know for your own pleasure um do you read now for pleasure do you have the time it doesn't sound like you have a lot of time but do you have time now to read for pleasure and if you do, what kinds of things do you read? What do you enjoy?
2: Um. Well, I have. Um. I, I guess right now I'm reading um, social commentary kind of things, but also um, going back and and um, enjoying some poetry. That's what I'm doing right now, and um, right now mm-hmm. I. I have um, some Nikki Giovanni poetry that I just pick up and put down, pick up, put down, you know, because I find um, it's very comforting. And Mm -hmm. I enjoy um, Ta-Nehisi Coates' uh, graphic novels. um, And as well as his social commentary. So that's what I'm doing right now.
1: And let me ask you this. What kind of taste in music do you have?
3: <laughs> um,
2: I love John Prime. Okay. I love, I love um, Coltrane,
1: mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder,
2: classic R&B. <laughs>
1: I, you know, and believe it or not, as I sit here, I've been doing this for over eight years, and that's the first time I've asked somebody what their taste in music was like. But I was just curious because, you know, your, your creativity is so far flung and, and goes in so many different directions. I just wondered, you know, what kind of music would, would appeal to you. Um, so the other part is you discussed that just about anything you see could spark something in you spark you know that that creative juice in you to get to get you to writing are you would you consider yourself well-traveled do you have you been to a lot of different places have you been able to observe a lot of different circumstances or or not
2: I would say yes Um, okay no um, different kinds of um, adventures yeah, different kind of adventures. Um, what can I say? Um, I wanted. Well, to you could name one or two. Tango. Okay. I okay. To yeah. Dance tango. So I traveled to Argentina several times a year to take um, dance classes with master teachers. Um, I I went to Switzerland and I hiked in the Swiss Alps. Um, I drove my car from New York to Montana and back going to, through different states, going there and coming back. Um, Montreal, um, pro fair. Um,
3: right. So,
2: yes, I would say
1: I, I
2: l- try to be open to the
1: world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's that, that's pretty extraordinary. Um, I, I I I admire the fact that you will just get up and go and do something like that. I I also know um, we might know. Well, I don't know. We might. I was thinking we might know people in common in the Tango community because a lot of them here also spend a lot of time in Argentina, but. That's like saying, "Hey, there's a black guy. Do you know him?" And I have to, you know,
3: <laughs> that was when I was
1: in Wisconsin, and there weren't that many black folks up there, and they just assumed we all knew each other. Um, uh, but so, so that would be wrong for me to ask you that. Anyway. Um, well, here's it's kind of cool because it sounds like, you know, you like to experience a lot of things and then you have the gift of being able to translate to put those things down and translate them into a medium that other people can enjoy. And you know, when you talk about being a creative and putting things together for the consumption of other people, um it, it 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 sounds like you're a pretty extraordinary individual. You know, you you managed to have done that quite a bit. You know, when you talk about a decade's worth of work, you've got you know over a hundred plays that you haven't even published yet. Um, I you know I don't <laughs> to say the sky is the limit is kind of it's it's pretty obvious. But I mean, do you see? Do you see yourself branching out at all? I mean, you mentioned that you enjoy writing plays. You know, if you'd like to see them maybe in another medium. If somebody calls you up and says, hey, I want to make some short films and do your stuff or whatever. But do you see, you know, are there other kinds of outlets for your creativity that you think that you... Well, that you would be looking at as a possible, you know, adjunct to writing the plays that you do now?
2: Well, I like to teach um, playwriting and I, I mm-hmm. creative writing. Um, yeah. So I've, I've tried that a little bit.
1: Um, but I'm open. Any particular age group that you were teaching? Were these adults, kids?
2: I was teaching adults mm-hmm. with different ranges
1: of skill. And do you are, do you yeah, attend?
2: All kinds of things. You know, I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I don't make a list of what the universe is going to give me. I just say, Send me the work, I will do it. So mm-hmm. it's like film, television, collaborations with screenplays. I'm open to all of it. I want okay. to make you a little I, part of my acknowledgement from the book. When you get your okay. copy, you, there are, are a, I don't know, a little over 100 artists that I acknowledge who have have um, worked um, in the in the plays that I've um, presented. So
3: mm-hmm. this
2: is just a little statement that I say to uh, the audience when they come to visit. Are you ready?
3: Please. Uh,
2: you're invited after work, before dinner, after dinner, before the gym, after homework with the kids, on the way home, as you get off the bus, a few extra subway stops, or short cab ride for an hour of theater. The price of admission is only your authentic self. You'll hear plays that will excite you, delight you, surprise you, heal you, soothe you, validate you, help you question, tickle your funny bone, scream with you, and perhaps kiss you goodnight. Leave your drama and enjoy our drama.
1: So, that's so in the so, uh, no, that's that's and I'm sitting here thinking, well, okay, uh, she pretty much kind of just finished out the whole show for you there. Uh, <laughs> 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 okay, yeah. What do you what do you axe her behind all of that? Um, I I I like the idea that you're you know you're so creative, you're so happy about it. It sounds like it gives you very. It gives you a lot of joy, what you do. And I can't think of a better, a better payback for a creative than obviously the validation you could get from other people. But to have joy in your work seems to be very, very important.
2: so um, well, it's my mission. Short plays to nourish the mind and soul. That's my mission. That's my, my, my joy to give this to the world and I'm uh-huh. back from the people who experience
1: the work. Okay, so when do you think you might be putting more of your work down on paper and publishing it?
2: I'm, I'm absolutely ready for those opportunities. This is the first book, and I'm believing that this is the first of, of many. I have mm-hmm. several volumes ready to go, so I'm just looking for the opportunities to come. well
1: with with a hundred plus plays what what's kind of like the deciding factor for you to produce let's say um, you know a, an adjunct or, or a, a sequel to or whatever, or even a, you know another standalone like articulation?
2: Well, I'd like to see articulation out in the world for um, a little while before I let. Um, I birthed the next book. Uh, okay. In the meantime, I'll continue to do present the new work on, on uh, the stages and public spaces.
1: Is there, uh, you know, someplace online where people can take a look at what's coming up? You know, do you have, a, uh, you know, an, oh, an yes. online site? Absolutely. Go ahead.
2: Yes. It's called uh, Sessy Wright. C E S I Wright, Jesse right. dot right. com. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm well. I'm, I'm putting it in the chat room. That's why. And then I'm going to go you. take a look at it myself.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Oh no, 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 no! This is hey. This is all you. I you know I should be so lucky to write over a hundred things. <laughs> No, I'm serious. I mean, that's that's a lot of work, but but see here for you, it doesn't sound like you're sitting there and it's drudgery, okay? It's not drudgery for you. It's it's like a joyful endeavor, um, and and I think that that's probably the most, the uh, you know, I think it's probably the greatest creative writing or the greatest creative output when it when it makes you that happy. Um, oh I like well, your graphics you know,
2: when I wrote articulation when I put it together you know I, I always feel like you're you're when you write you're bleeding you you're hemorrhaging sometimes especially when the content is is could be very dark and could be deep and unresolving but I try to keep um, a balance of work that um, is, can be a little draining like that with work that is just purely I'm laughing the whole time that I'm writing. So um, it works out in the end. It's, it's all were, joyful and it's all healing.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and if you were going to, if you just wanted to sit down to, like on a, a, a radio show and you wanted to tell the people who were listening what, what is the most fulfilling part of doing what you do. Um, you know, how, how, would you, how would you describe that? Because it, it does sound joyful. It does sound fulfilling. Um, you know, it, when people go, well, well, why do you write? You, you, you already know why you write because it's, it's in you and you, you want to do it. And and also, it brings you joy. So, I mean, what, it doesn't sound like that's going to be a hard leap for you to have to explain to people, this is part of me. And that, it it, it obviously, it's as much a part of you as the professional side, um, which is also fulfilling, because I'm sure it feels great when you know that you've helped a child communicate better, take care of, you know, uh, uh, master a problem, overcome an issue, whatever, um, it just well, it just all, seems all like the, work Go ahead. Professional. the playwriting
2: is professional the work is all um, uh, it's, it it's fully presented to the audience with um, um, usually um, actors from who are members of actors equity um, with professional directors Um, professional musicians so it's not you know it's fully fully professional work Um, because it's a small venue doesn't mean it's um, it's not quality it's absolutely wonderful quality Um, and the reading um, I've heard um, audience tell me that you know asked me they had scripts did they have scripts in their hands because you know, the words were so moving, I, we didn't even see them. So mm-hmm, you know, that's mm-hmm. professional, and then my therapeutic work is professional. So um, I, I just have to make sure I get enough rest.
1: I was going to ask you, other than the writing and your professional work, what do you do during your time off? Is that the PJs and Netflix kind of thing?
2: Well, I have um, two adult sons. Um, that we are still very close, and I have a uh-huh. wonderful partner. Uh, I'm sorry, a wonderful? I have a wonderful partner,
1: Edward Feeney. Uh-huh. And no doubt he's he's, he's probably, not, well, no doubt he's supportive of your work, I'm, I'm guessing.
2: He, he's very supportive and very tolerant because I keep paper and pen by the bedside and I'm I'm often writing. So, yes, he is. And he attends everything that I present or produce.
1: (laughs) How cool is that? Um,
2: Last year he helped me to build a set piece. I had to make a human-sized birdcage. Okay. Really, really. One of the plays in the book um, is called A Girl and Her Bird. And so I... It's a human woman who is playing the bird, so I had to make mm-hmm. a, a a very large bird cage, which he helped me to construct out of um, all kinds of metal and and springs. It was gorgeous.
1: Did it have a swing?
2: No, it didn't have a swing.
1: Oh, I was just curious. Okay. <laughs>
3: You're well, it, it does voice. sound oh, well,
1: I have my moments. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, you when you look at life, I you know, we're we're similar in that we both observe what's going on around us and and the things that go on around us suggest how we express our creativity. Um, for you you know, you, you put it down in writing. For me, I I see the humor in so much, even sometimes in tragedy, although I have to be careful because um, the 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 humor tragedy equation is humor or tragedy plus time equals humor. So the day after 9-11, you shouldn't be making jokes about buildings falling down or anything like that. You have to wait an appropriate amount of time before people are ready for that sort of thing. But for me, you know, I I like humor because, first of all, it draws a lot of people together and um, laughter, you know, and joke telling actually exploits, I guess what they call it, what do they call it? They call it a a mistriggered dis- defense response that's what laughter is that's what humor is when something catches you funny like that because you weren't expecting it so yeah i well I, I like i like humor i i was just told by people who are looking to adapt my work for you know um the screen that they really enjoyed the humor in my books and i didn't realize that there was that much in there but apparently it was something that was in there so thank you for at least saying that um, at least I don't feel crazy or a goof. But I, I, you know, the other thing is, it. And just between you and me, when when Jarvis told you or asked you to be on the show, did he did he tell you how long it was? One hour. Two. Well, it's two hours. No. And and we've already gone an hour and twenty five minutes now has it felt like an hour and 25 minutes
2: no it it hasn't
1: (laughs) no because that's the beauty of William um (laughs) because it scares people no I'm I'm telling you you know and, and this is I know this is a little bit of inside baseball but you know you're a creative someone asks you to be on a show oh let's do an interview show um and you say okay yeah and then if he does tell somebody it's two hours, a lot of people panic. They go, I don't have two hours worth of stuff to talk about. I can't answer questions for two hours, but it's not you know, the thing is not to treat it like question and answer. It's it's like let's get to know you. You know, we would probably have almost the same conversation sitting down at that lunch when you show up here in Chicago as we're having on the on the on the, the show tonight. Because this I think this I is the essence of um lulu's lulu's is no longer by the way
2: no really
1: yeah it, it, yeah it was over on ogden and then it moved to oh what street was that i think maybe is that division no that was laramie laramie and then it closed so the Lulu's that you're talking about, it's, was that the deli Lulu's? Kind of like a no, delicatessen kind of?
2: it was only like breakfast food, like pancakes
1: and crepes. All right. See, now, now i got to do the Google thing. Um, but that's where you want to go when you come here? Yeah, I want to have pancakes. All right. Okay. So I'm looking it up right now. Uh no, this can't be it. Lulu's cute dresses, tops, shoes, jewelry, and clothing for. All right, well, we'll, we'll <laughs> Lulu's hot dogs. <laughs> Lulu's in the Edmonton. All right, well, and that's an Asian restaurant. Okay, we'll find it. Oh, we'll get you some pancakes so when Edward you get you here. Okay. Near
2: the midway. Near the midway. It's,
1: oh, it's it's okay. So that's out on the west side, someplace. All right. All right, we'll have lunch there. No, we'll have breakfast there. That'll be fine. Um, And, and, you know, when you travel, what makes you go to a certain place? I know you said the tangled thing with Argentina. That makes sense. And then going and kind of, I guess, hiking in the, what was it, the Alps? That's a destination. So those are destinations. Do you just, like, set out to go check things out, you know, just kind of hit the road arbitrarily? To see what you run into, or are you destination oriented?
2: Um, no, I just um, I like to discover. Just go and discover. Like pick mm-hmm. a direction. When my children mm-hmm. were were young, um, during the summer, I would say pick a direction, and we get in the car and we go that direction. So, you know, I do have a little adventures
1: for a spirit. Yeah, I, you know, I I had a motorcycle a while back, you know, back when I thought that I couldn't get killed by somebody hitting me.
3: <laughs>
1: now I'm, I'm going, your bones are way too brittle, you're way too old to be running around out there with people who don't even see motorcycles. But I would get on the bike and go places. I went out to, I kind of did that too, I went west, went to the Rockies, and while I was traveling through the Rockies, there was one of those quick snowstorms, and there were about 35 or 40 cars and a few motorcycles, and we were stuck in one of those big tunnels that they drilled through the mountains because it was snow. We were blocked in snow in front and back, and so we spent about 30 hours in that tunnel until they, they plowed out the roads so that we could all get out. So... You know, yeah, I, I kind of like to do that, but now I'm a little older, and, you know, I like I don't want to sleep in the car or anything like that anymore. I really like, and I, I do enjoy room service, so um, I do have some adventures that I kind of want to pull off. I do want to, but you know what mine are, I want to get on the train and go places, Um because that way I don't have to drive or anything like that. Have you ever taken trains anywhere?
3: Yeah, I like the trains.
1: long I like longer rides. Um,
3: I'm sorry. I like I like the
2: trains in Europe.
1: Yeah. Well, let's see. I've been from Chicago to Washington D.C. and Washington and from Chicago to Colorado Springs. I I enjoy that that kind of travel. Um. A lot of what I do when I do travel is like what you do. I, I watch people, though, because a lot of my writing is about how people behave, what motivates people for, to doing what they do, their behavior under certain circumstances. So for me, that's, that's usually the baseline for why I would go and travel. Um, and for you, you sound like, just about any place you go or anything you see could be fodder for, for your writing. Is that fair to say?
2: Absolutely.
1: All right. Now, you mentioned something about you've got kind of like, a, did you say feminist science fiction? Is that uh, what? Well,
2: Atchized Press is, is um, the series is considered yeah. uh, feminist science fiction.
1: Okay, I think, I think and
2: maybe a female perspective or a feminine perspective to the um, to the work, but uh, fully appreciable by you know
1: all genders. Yeah, and let me ask you this because a lot of people, a lot of people of color, a lot of black folks write works with predominantly black characters or, or the majority black characters, is that something that is that is important to your work?
2: Uh, no. Um, remember, you're talking to a woman who writes about bananas and banana peels. So, you know, I write about all kind of humans. <laughs> um, and,
1: and inanimate uh, things.
2: In- inanimate things and animals and
1: um so anything anything you? could anything could be anything. a trigger anything for you to end up yeah. in my play anything yeah wow well if you ever want to you know write about a, a japan negro science fiction writer um feel free to use my name um and uh you know, you can use me as a character. Just let me know so that I can read about it. Um, what, and and what you, did you you call have yourself? A Japanese girl.
2: A Japanese girl.
1: Mhm. I'm half Japanese. black, half Japanese.
2: Japanese girl. I never heard so well, many you
1: you, said. you know what they're calling people well, like me not out not in, in Hollywood? In Hollywood, they're calling us Blasian black and Asian. What? Yeah, exactly.
3: Wow. Somebody
1: said that to me and I went, What is that? Anyway. Wow. So, so let me ask you this. When you talked about doing commission work, right? Mm-hmm. What what kinds of works do people ask you to to do or, or do they commission you to write? Are they are they subject specific, um, you know, and then, and then under what circumstance? I'm a little curious about that because that sounds like, well, that sounds pretty cool when people come to you and say, hey, we would like to commission you to do something. And, you know, I, it's not important, but I'm, I'm just curious. Is this something that is financially lucrative? Well, first tell me how they find you and what they ask you to write.
2: Well, I haven't done it in a long time. I did one big commission and that was um, 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 about of Truth and um, okay. that toured for a while. And so I've really been focusing on um, um, theme, themes that come to me, but I right. am open to... I I still am open to that kind of work, but it's just mm-hmm. I haven't been
1: it lately. Yeah, and then you know, being in New York, you know, it's it's a fairly dense population. And you, did you mention you were suburban New York, so you're not like right in the city?
2: No, I'm in the city now.
1: Oh, you're mm-hmm. in the city. Um, how 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 do you? I mean, you have your set place where you do your performances but if if you were going to I mean do you have any challenges getting your work noticed above the background noise or are you happy to be in that niche where you are and then let and 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 letting people discover you as they do you know I I just keep working
2: and allow allow the reach to grow naturally. And I have to believe that that's going to work for me.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm taking a little note here. And then for, you mentioned that you wanted to kind of let um, articulation kind of settle. And for those who, who are wondering, uh, it, ca- it says here it came out in October of this year. So it's only been out a short amount of time. About how long yes. are you going to wait until you think that you would be putting out maybe your next set of work? Are we talking uh, a year, two years, five years?
2: Uh, I think, you know, I think... Um you know, it's like giving birth to babies. So you, you know, <laughs> um. So I gave birth to one baby. I want to have a rest for at least a year. Let that baby be close to walking on its own. <laughs>
1: okay, then, baby. Yeah, and and then you know, this kind of begs the question. Yes, it's on Amazon. And you're going to have to do some marketing on your own. Have you thought about how you're going to expose your work to to you know an audience, to any audience? Have you thought about well, marketing at all?
2: Um, well, this has been a wonderful experience to get an opportunity um, for a podcast. Mhm. And um, I'm trying to get um, the book in more bookstores, um, independent bookstores, and um, talking about the work whenever I get an, get the opportunity. So for those um, listeners who are in Harlem, there'll be um, a book launch and book signing in January at Uptown Sisters Bookstore. And, um, see, um, and um, they'll be able to um, get more information on that from my website as we get closer to that time. And there'll also be um, a, a launch at the Signature Center um, downtown in um, Manhattan. So this, uh, in the Times Square area. So, you know, this, um you know i'm sure um you know the uh, the energy will just help
1: to work it out well the other thing that you can do at least for you know our audience and for black science fiction is to also post your coming appearances on the events calendar at BSFS and then that way oh, when people are taking a look at what they're doing on weekends or you know if they, they you know they they happen to look and see what's going on what might be happening in their town at least you know the the many many thousands of people who check out black science can check and take a look at that events calendar and see what when you might be having an appearance
2: yes that would be wonderful so, and so be sure to do that. Also invite me. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're open to invitations,
1: right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, I laugh but it's, you know, like yesterday I went downtown yesterday because somebody wanted to interview me for a uh, a local radio show here and um that that happened because a friend of a friend. You know, actually it was because I had interviewed somebody on this show, and she knew this other person, and she called me up and said, "Well, or she got touched me and said, wait, hey, I'd like to interview you for for the show.' So, yeah, I, you know, you never know what kind of synergy like that is going to help um, your visibility, and you never know who's listening or watching who might want to check you out. So that, you know, I, we can we can laugh about it, but again you just never know Um, as far as the work that you continue to do you know do you do you think you know let's let's look at your daily routine you know you probably put in uh, do you put in a full day doing your your uh, clinical stuff
2: I start work about three I work from three to six doing my writing um, okay, before I go to my therapeutic job.
1: You get up that early in the morning,
2: three or
1: four. Oh my God, I'm just barely going to bed at that time. Um, <clears throat> but you know that that makes sense. One of the things that I discovered when I started writing a book, and it sounds like you've already mastered it is that. You know, in in the writers groups that I went to, people sometimes would tell me they've been writing a book for ten years, five years, twelve years, whatever. And I always ask them, well, what what gets in the way of you finishing it? And they go, well, life got in the way. I got married. I got kids. I got a dog. I I got a new job. Whatever. And then I I figured out to do what you do and to treat it kind of like a part time job and write every day. And if you do that, then you you inevitably finish things. But you. You're you got you got like you know, you talk about short plays to nourish the mind and soul. You're you're like nourishing your creativity every day from a different perspective. For me, I'm writing every day to finish a book, a story that's already you know kind of in the back of my head. For you, it sounds like you get inspiration everywhere, and you can just pick up and write anything. Um, is it is that kind of like a fair characterization? Absolutely man i I really envy you, you know i people who can who are creative and do things that I can't do are are a wonder to me, and i I have nothing but healthy respect for them. Um, if you had anything that you wanted to convey to somebody, let's say somebody younger who was thinking about you know turning their hand to writing plays and things like that, do you have some advice? That you would that that you find particularly helpful that you think is essential to you getting done what you have to do.
2: Well, it it, it may seem like it's a little unrelated, but um, uh, I'm going to share it anyway. I'm I'm concerned that many um, young people are no longer able to write in script and they don't write the script, and they can't read script. So that means that they can't read um, historical, many historical documents that were handwritten. And it also means that they're dependent on um, um, technical devices to to support their creativity. So I think... um, I would encourage everyone, no matter how sophisticated the um, software and the hardware may be, to just pick up an old-fashioned pencil and pen and paper and consider manually writing. At least you know, as the right. first step.
1: Well, a lot, you're right. A lot of schools have given up teaching cursive. <laughs> Excuse me um i guess in favor of what keyboard skills and i read yeah. about one stupid school in i think it was ohio where the teacher or teachers were accepting work that used texting nomenclature you know shortened words abbreviations
3: yeah. um yes
1: yeah. and And I, you know, I I have to, I kind of have to agree with you. I think that that probably is definitely taking away um, at least technical skills that are necessary. Um, And I have used a keyboard so much in the last, well, since 2001, that Periodically, I will sit down and I will get a pad of paper and I will go ahead and write out things longhand. I will practice my signature and things like that for book signings and stuff like that because I I don't spend enough time handwriting. Also, a study just came out in the last few weeks that suggests that if you take notes by hand, you actually remember the material that you've written. Better than if you typed it into a laptop or a you know into a computer, so there there's it's more than just a mechanical skill there's there's an intellectual connection there between what you have produced by hand and how your brain processes it, which I think is is probably yes, I, not I, I paid much attention to. I'm sorry,
2: I- I, I, the research that I've looked at in that direction I agree with
1: you know mm-hmm. when you
2: when you're using a device instead of your own um, physical self you are removed more from that whole body communication within yourself
1: so so that's that's probably a that's a great piece of advice to go ahead and write things out longhand to go ahead and learn, you know, if you don't know cursive, you know, go ahead and learn it or at least practice it. Um, practice taking notes by hand because these are essential skills for creativity that are, I would guess, underrated or underutilized. Would that yes. is that a good way to put it?
3: Yes,
2: and um some you know, I I think about historically you know how um, black people were prevented from from writing and and, some reading. People did not and and reading from writing and reading and so that we would go back to a system of it you know not not cherishing those skills is you know, really appalling to me. Like, our, mm-hmm. our use of technology should not replace those types of personal
1: skills and abilities. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I I don't... I... I don't know what they're teaching in schools other than what I read. You know, I haven't visited a school lately to kind of look at what what goes on in classrooms or anything like that. But I think that um also I would I would imagine that having those skill sets, being able to write and things like that would foster a certain amount of creativity. Um because you you don't have to go Oh yeah, that's an interesting idea. I'm going to look it up when I get home or I I'll, I'll write that down when I get home or I'll I'll put that in the computer when I get home to so what you said and and even what Jarvis put uh, put in the chat room um you know having a pad and paper, having a pad of paper and or at least some paper and something to write with wherever you go it, it sounds like that that really does help unleash the creative animal in somebody. Um I, you know, I don't want to talk about the state of education in this country because I get mad. Um, but, uh, and, and the other thing, what, what is the, if you had to tell, warn somebody about the worst aspect of being a creative, you know, from your perspective, what, what would you say that might be, if there is anything at all?
2: Well, I think it's important to appreciate when people give you accolades and praise. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. regardless of whether you receive it or not, you have to keep working. And mm-hmm. you have to stay true to yourself. And that can feel scary because everybody wants to be liked. But just keep working. Keep using your voice
1: yeah you know something that i've noticed um that that is not taught is that you know criticism you know and and critique not criticism like you know you're cutting somebody down but but to critique somebody is an important part of the creative process and a lot of people, a lot of creatives early you know, and especially younger, do not they don't handle criticism well and i've I've found that you have to have a rather thick skin if you're going to be a creative because you can't take everything personally like like somebody is trying to i don't know cut you down or something like that but you know there there's actually there's value in in critique that people should should have a good takeaway from and i yeah. i'm finding when people give me something to read they go hey you know you've written books could you could you read this for me and tell me what you think far too often what they really wanted was they wanted somebody to be a cheerleader and and not to critique their work they just wanted you know, some some unearned validation um, when in fact, you know, they could have improved this or they they were making mistakes or or whatever the the issue was. And I think that if you're going to be very good at your craft as a creative, you have to learn to listen to criticism. And you're absolutely right. Um, What's been, I mean, when you started out, were you able to take criticism you know, it sounds like if you had a formal education in writing, you probably had a better chance at understanding that. Would you say that that's, that's true?
2: Well, I think in all cases, you have to learn what voices to listen to. Well, yes. You know, like it, you can't weigh every everything the same way Um, sometimes people um, have comments that are not thoughtfully constructed and are meant to harm unfortunately Mm -hmm. people do that and then at the same time sometimes people have comments that are thoughtful and reflective and can help you to grow in what you're trying to do so in the beginning as well as throughout your career, I think it's important to know how to dissect the, all the voices that you're faced with and continue to honor your own voice and have confidence in it.
1: yeah, yeah um, so when you get off uh, off the show here, are you gonna well you do most of your is is that early morning your most creative time? Or can you can you write just about any time of day? The no, morning works best for I, you.
2: Well, it's it's the best time for my creative work during the daytime. Mm-hmm. Is the best time for my analytical work, and nighttime mm-hmm. is is the time for
1: Netflix. <laughs> All right. So, what do you watch?
2: Um, what do you like, I like to watch? I like to binge watch. I saw The Politician. Did you see that? No, I didn't. And then what else have I seen? Binge watching. Um, um, I can't think of any at the moment, but I, I like to, I like that feeling of getting trapped into, I want to know what's going to happen next. I want to know what's going
1: to happen next.
2: And before you know it, it's two
1: days. <laughs> and, and you've been you've been doing nothing but watching that that whole that series.
2: Like you can't stop. It's like a drug.
1: Yeah, I um, yeah, I I'm kind of like that too. Uh, I, I've been following a few shows. I did watch, I did like The Walking Dead when it started out. I, and I'll tell you something. I just, I just found out that they, they were like six weeks in before I realized that the new season had started. So I downloaded those six episodes and watched them. Then I got bored with it. So now I'm looking for something new. So I'll, ch- I'll check out the. Po- you said it's just called The Politician.
2: Politician. It's not sci-fi. It's just very. No,
1: it's okay. Yeah. Yeah all right it, it's
2: about high school kids
1: it's about it's high school uh, kids or a high, yeah. school kid.
2: a high school kid high school
1: kids high school okay, okay.
2: to um, um, college but I just thought it was different creative
1: different is good different is good um, so anyway uh, we're coming up to. Uh, we got about seven minutes to go here before we're going to cut out. Um, is there anything that we didn't cover about your your work um, that that you would like to mention before we call it in the evening? Oh,
2: um, well, um, just. First of all, I'm, I'm really grateful for this opportunity to talk about my work and to talk about my b- book, Articulation, and my hopes and dreams for um, bringing more of this work um, mm-hmm. to people, uh, to global audiences, so I'm grateful for... Um, um, having that opportunity, William. I really appreciate it. And I think I, I just want... Um, communication is so important, and I want people to really embrace conversation. Conversation is what fuels me to be able to write stories. Real conversation is about exchanging meaning. It's not about constructing a response to rebuttal something before you get to hear what they have to say. It's about a speaker and a listener and going back and forth with those roles in order to get to meaning. And I think we're losing that ability to have conversation. And I'm concerned about that. I think that screen-to-screen screen, um, relating to each other does not replace face-to-face breathing the same oxygen in the same room relating to each other, it doesn't replace that. And so I'm noticing that there are many um, people who are uncomfortable in those face-to-face situations because they don't spend enough time in it. and. Um, that, I guess that, and um, not writing um, freehand, those are things that I, I don't want us to lose as a people. And um, I would encourage everybody to just consider keeping those well, skills strong.
1: Well, you know, let me, that, that actually brings up a very, very good point. And you know, normally I don't like to talk about politics, but as it, this is this is part of exactly what you're talking about. Um, politics has made conversation. it, it is it has divided us in ways that we have not seen in the past. Okay, um, people, people feel very strongly about their political views to the point where they will not listen to or uh, or or be civil to someone who believes differently than they do. And so now we have this this kind of we're in this era of polarization where where we're, we're, you know, the what, what do they used to call it? The lively art of conversation is practically non-existent because, you know, you have two sides yelling at each other, not listening to each, each other, and, and not interested in areas where they have common ground. Can you think of something, you know, can you think of, of something that might, Help diffuse that so people can enjoy conversation, and and can disagree with each other without becoming hateful about it, or, or or just going, you know, just going off on people, on on somebody who doesn't share their views. I mean, have you uh, you you have no, to have I noticed?
2: Think, I think we're, I think where we have to begin is with those things that connect us. Mm -hmm. So if we begin with those things that connect us and try to build relationships, then it's easier to move into the more difficult, challenging things of when we don't agree. But we have to start with where we are the same, where we can connect, what we all need, what we all feel. That's where it needs to begin.
1: Yeah, that's tough. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying that in today's in today's climate. That's that's I mean you're absolutely right. Um and and uh, someone typed in the in the chat room learn to disagree without being disagreeable. I I think people don't care if they're disagreeable anymore by and large. Or or Are you in, getting- in, in in I'm sorry?
2: Oh, I was just wondering. I I I can't see any commentary. Are you have you been getting some some feedback in the chat line about our
1: Oh yeah. Uh, um are are you are you Well yeah, you're you're okay, look at at the top right of the screen. Do you have your face in the screen right now where you're talking? Uh,
2: no, I'm talking into my phone.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, so you would have to be in, in Google Chrome, and you would have to be in TalkShoot. And um, even though it's near the end, but you would go to com, and then slash TC slash, and then the, the show number, which is 127374. And then there's a chat room there. But uh, yeah, no, Jarvis typed in. Hello? Yes. Yeah. Here. Oh, there you are, okay, so yeah, but um, but yeah, no i I agree with you i mm-hmm. and you know, because of what I do here, I can't be disagreeable with anybody, otherwise, that'd be a crappy ass show, um, and I don't like gotcha shows, and I don't like shows that have nothing but conflict because that's you don't learn anything that way um, but uh. Yeah. It's a tough climate. Oh, no.
2: What's the matter?
1: The the show Hello? ended. Are, are you there? I'm here. Hello? Oh, okay.
2: Yes, I'm here.
1: It looks like the show ended.
2: It just ended?
1: Yeah, but I can still hear you.
3: Oh, <laughs> So
1: That's weird. That's weird. It, normally that? when the show it, when the show ends uh, the call gets disconnected. talkshoe has been acting up all night. So Hang on a second. Yep. Talks, you cut our show off as soon as it turned to 10 o'clock. Here, my time. So anyway, look, I want to thank you for being on here. <laughs> Sorry, everything malfunctioned. I, I hope you at least enjoyed yourself.
2: I did. I did. I, you know, I, the tech tech part of it is still very puzzling to me, but I'll get it.
1: Hey, as you as you can see as you can see it is to me too. Um but but we have we have a date. You're gonna come here for breakfast and I'm gonna come there for your, your plays. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's fine. That'll be great. Um so, but thanks for being here. Go ahead. What were you gonna say?
2: Yes, um, so, um, um, I'm looking forward to Please send me a, you have my email now, so please send me a link to your writing, and I hope that you will get articulation from Amazon, and that you'll...
1: Oh, it's on my, yeah, it's on my list. As soon as, uh, as soon as I buy another bunch of books, I will definitely get it.
2: And so, um, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see what your favorite play is.
1: Okay. And just so that you know, here's here's what my first trilogy, the the, the storyline of my first trilogy is. Um, it tells the story of what happens in the United States of America when the country finds out that African Americans have been secretly living on the backside of the moon since before Neil Armstrong got here, got there. <laughs>
3: I want to read that. <laughs>
1: You, it does it sound? It sounds funny.
2: It sounds like fun. I want
1: to that. Yeah, I had I had fun writing it, and um, it looks it looks very very much like it's going to be adapted to television. So cool. that that'll be a fun process too. So we'll see what happens with that. All right. Well, look, I'm uh, because everything is messed up here. I'm going to go ahead and 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 clear the call, but. Thank you for for thank you for giving up your Friday night. You know, I hope you enjoyed yourself, and uh, I do. it was I thought it, I thought it was fun. Oh, so um,
2: how do um? How do how do you what of, of the show? Uh,
1: yes. Um, uh, do you have Google Chrome? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So ready. Uh-huh. W dot dot com Slash TC Thomas Charles Slash one two seven
2: three seven four Okay, I need that again www
1: dot talk talk talk, talk, talk shoe dot com uh-huh. slash uh-huh. TC uh-huh. slash one two seven three seven four three seven
2: four okay. All right. Thank you so much, William. You,
1: well, do you see it there? Did it come up? Do you see your name? Okay. You're the top you should be the top show of past episodes.
2: Oh, I'll I'll ask my son
1: to find it for me.
2: Oh, <laughs> okay. what is your what is your email?
1: Oh, it's my name at gmail dot com.
2: What is your last name?
1: H a y a s h i. Hayashi. Hayashi. Yep.
2: All right. Great. All right. Well, nice talking to you, William Hayashi.
1: (laughs) You too. You take care now.
2: My first Japanese Negro friend.
1: (laughs) Okay, I can I can do that. Yeah, that'll be fine.
3: All right. Great. Okay. Have a great weekend. Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: plus.